shit. Damn me up. Your bottle there, love? I will. Oh my god. Why do we do this? What is it we do this for? Uh, God, country, and whatever the third thing is. Welcome to the Nightmare Box, presenting Mistakes Were Made, with another episode of Two, 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 Star, 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 Tuesday. <laughs> My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the fresh out of the bath, r- relaxed, drinking a blue moon, Kristen Pennington. Would rather be on the moon than uh, having watched this movie. <laughs> it's the it's the best part about having a drinking problem is that when we watch these things, I you know, I don't I can numb some of the pain. <laughs> <laughs> I've never wanted to like switch my career choices half as hard as I did than when I was watching this film. Um, it's pretty bad. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dredge through the swamp. Uh, with you, dear listener, and talk about the 2018 film. It was absurd and not in the fun way. Await further instructions. <laughs> and I have a list of instructions. Um, kill yourself. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just <laughs> not, not you, not you, listener person, not, not you at all, but um, whoever you know, babysat this idea until it was old enough. This this should have been shot in the face in front of the studio. It should have burned the film reel to the ground. It is a, a British horror film, so maybe I just don't get British horror. No, your people are... Okay, I get it. ...genetically predisposed to hate the British. It's... <laughs> But we're talking about the film Await Further Instructions. Are you okay? Yeah, Max is... Like, we finally have a day where Jax doesn't have food in his bowl, and Max is now He's like, the blinds trying to destroy the blinds <laughs> for some reason, which is not like him at all. So Probably because we just had a, a hailstorm. The cats are freaking out. It's uh, our three children's effort to forever sabotage the show <laughs> one at a time. Today's Max's day, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> We're here to talk about Await Further Instructions, um, which got an IMDb score of 4.7, which feels too high. Yeah. A Rotten Tomatoes audience score, or a critic score, of 84%. I don't understand. Yeah. If you enjoyed this movie, I will fight you. I don't I'm care almost... if you're a critic, an actor, a director, the President of the United States. I will fist fight you. You can come out here right now. I will fist fight you for liking this film. I was like, I'm almost more mad that that many people liked the movie that much versus that I wasted my time watching the movie. Yeah. Like, if everybody just agreed <laughs> this movie sucked, I'd be like, okay, like, well, we yeah. knew. I feel like I'm in the majority. <laughs> but like, anyway. I, w- I went into this movie because... What's the audience score? The audience score is uh, much more accurate, 26%. Yeah, I wouldn't... Is that our biggest disparity? Disparity? Disparity. Yeah. Uh, I think we've had one. I think we've had one, like, kind of in that range before, but that may be the biggest one today, yeah. But I went into this movie thinking, okay, maybe the audience just didn't get it, and the critics really liked it, because... You know, there's some underlying theme here that I'm just really going to appreciate. And so I really thought this thing was going to come home strong and I fucking hated it. It was terrible. (laughs) Well, like all the positive reviews that I read about it, like I I did read the critic sides and we read them last night Mm -hmm. after we had a palate cleansing 45 minutes of clips from better films to, to, to forget for, you know. 45 well, minutes that we just When we get into the after. bad, we'll get into why we did that, because there was a reason <laughs> we did that. Um, but every positive review was like, well, it it talked about misogyny in society, and it, it talked about the patriarchy, and about how we're all being controlled by the news media. And I was like, oh, so you liked it for its political message. This is PC culture, biting PC culture directly on the dick. Like that, you can't praise a horror film based on the message it 
was a shitty film. Fuck yeah. the me- like. You can agree with the message and also say it's a dumbass movie. Like a good message and a good film would be the Night of the Living Dead. It's about the civil rights movement. It's fucking yeah. incredible. And it doesn't need to weigh on the laurels of its political and argument. And the, the ending of the film is so absurd that even if that had been the original intent, it gets lost in the last 15 minutes yeah. anyway. The whole last 20 minutes of the film, which is we paused, thank God, so I could smoke a cigarette and you know take bathroom breaks, get beer refills. And there were like 24 minutes left in the movie. And we looked at each other and said, this has to shit the bed right now. And almost immediately after we hit play, it shit the bed hard. I'm mad just thinking about it. It was maybe yeah. my least favorite film we've done today. <laughs> so if you guys haven't seen it uh, or if you don't know quite how these work yet, um, go watch the film. Await further instructions, and then come back. And if you if you didn't gouge your own eyeballs out, bleach them now, like yeah. I would like to. <laughs> yeah, pa- palate cleanse beforehand, palate cleanse afterhand. Uh, strong vodka would be <laughs> a good pairing for this film. <laughs> a lobotomy would be a good pairing for this film. Yeah. <laughs> opened one up this aggressive before. So ma- I'm still mad at it. It's so bad. <laughs> like, it was like physically violent. I was like, do you want to leave, go to a bar, get in a fight so I can like burn off some of this energy that I have after watching this piece of shit? Let's get into these these incredible characters who Jesus. have so much depth and Yeah, the and whitest names. Oh, yeah. Well, we gotta yeah, stick to something of the format here. <laughs> We'll get we'll get to the bats. We'll we'll air out everything we need to air out. But just to let you know, we're going to be screaming into the microphone on this one. Um, this was produced. I, I I typed production. I found a producer, uh, which his name is Alan Latham, I believe. L a t h a m. Uh, he's done a bunch of movies. Um, none of them, you know, massive films that you know you'd see outside of film festivals but he is a big producer and that he has a large uh filmography there i couldn't find a guy that's not always a good thing yeah maybe not a good look maybe uh quantity or quality over quantity pick and choose find (laughs) us one um the writer for this film was gavin williams uh, he, this was his debut feature, so I'm, I'm going to try to put on some kid gloves on him, but he has won awards for other things. I won't take all my frustrations out on the writer because I feel like it was actually kind of an interesting idea, just yeah. very piss poorly executed. So I'm not really mad at the writer. And the one that we can be mad at is the director. His name is Johnny Kevorkian. The last name being the only reason why we watched the film. <laughs> I was like, is this like Kevorkian, like the Doctor Death, his kid? <laughs> it wasn't his, uh, you know, the other Kevorkian, much more successful, much more effective. <laughs> when he set out to do a job, God damn it, Doctor Kevorkian did it right. Johnny Kevorkian pissed me off. Yeah, and I wanted to do, well, actually, I guess I did pick this one, but my other option was a sci-fi film, and you mm-hmm. turned your nose up at sci-fi. We may be doing sci-fi well, we wound week. up watching a fucking sci-fi movie. Uh. That's the part that pissed me off. <laughs> but we'll get to it. Um, I couldn't find the budget for this movie. However, much like the 26% crit or audience score for the film, the international box office speaks for itself. Did you look that up at all no, by any chance? Do you want to make it? a guess? Under a million for sure. How far under a million? Because that's a lot. That's a million different options. A hundred thousand. A <laughs> hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. This film worldwide made $3,617. I believe it. Yeah. You know you fucked up when you don't get 3.6K. <laughs> when they counted the 17. <laughs> You knew that guy, uh, Alan Latham, was sitting back going, okay, can I get any of my dad's money back? (laughs) (laughs) Because looking at it, you know they dropped over a mil on it. There's no way around it with that level of CGI, no matter how poorly executed, you're looking Uh, at a million. I don't know. I guess they could have had like a local school or something do it, maybe. Uh, That could have been. They probably Uh, dropped 
at least a hundred thousand on it for yeah. sure. I'd be looking, you know, in my head for everything that happened there. Um, I'd imagine somewhere between five hundred k and a mil. Probably not much over a mil if it went over a mil, but trying to like pay everybody, you definitely spent a lot more than three thousand dollars. Yeah, there were a lot of special effects in this. So yeah, yeah, somebody probably. ate it at the bank, and they're they're still feeling this one. I'm still feeling this one. Um, do you want to? No, get I'll do the characters and then do the synopsis. Sure, that'll work. So the characters we're looking here, we got three couples that makes it always easy to remember, and they have the whitest names uh, in the history of people with white names. Uh, Our first couple's our main couple. That's Nick and Angie, Angie being the only person of color in the film. She's an Indian. Um, Then you've got Kate and Scott. The Kate is the pregnant woman. Scott's the douchebag shithead. (laughs) You've got Tony and Beth. Tony is the father. Beth is the mother. And you got Granddad. And the interesting thing about Granddad, which I didn't notice when I was watching it, probably because I've never seen either one of the things he's famous for being in, uh, he played Argus Filch in the Harry Potter films, Mm -hmm. and he played Walder Frey in the Game of Thrones. But I have fell asleep in the first Harry Potter movie. I don't want to pay for HBO for Game of Thrones. I've seen the first three episodes of Game of Thrones. I was not impressed. (laughs) No, I will not go back and watch it. I like guns. I don't like swords. That is a huge (laughs) part of it. But Uh, what is our synopsis? So the family is a whole bunch of really racist people. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Minus Nick, who is the one who's dating uh, Angie, who is from India. So the film takes place over the Christmas holiday. Um, Nick has not come home or contacted his family in any form in the past three years because everybody except basically mom Mm -hmm. is feeling some kind of way about anybody who's foreign or, yeah, uh, their relationship. So... She talks him into finally going to see his family for Christmas, and Mom's super excited, like, didn't know for sure if he was coming home, like, thrilled to have them both there, and, um, nobody else is. No. (laughs) Nobody else is excited (laughs) to have them there. Um, Grandpa's former military, super, super racist. Served in India. (laughs) Uh, Dad is just the product of having that as a father, and then, um... Kate, the sister, is just a airhead who mm-hmm. seems a little spoiled, and her douchebag husband Scott is a, yeah. a little whipped puppy who follows the instructions that he's given. Yeah. So just kind of a mesh of not particularly pleasant people. Um, Angie and Nick kind of get into a disagreement with everyone pretty much immediately. Yeah. And the then, second they realize she is half a shade darker than them, everybody <laughs> loses their mind and yeah. starts accusing her of terrorism. Yeah. She's like, I just work in a hospital. <laughs> and they're watching, I guess what would be the American equivalent of Fox News on yeah. the TV, just like, oh, bombs and foreigners and mm-hmm. bombs and foreigners. So uh, Nick and Angie make a pact that they're going to stay the night, get up super early and sneak out before anyone's awake and kind of go have their own yeah. private uh, Christmas together because... Mm-hmm. They realize it probably wasn't the best idea. Politics and uh, holidays, great way to get in a fist fight with your own family. Take care of yourselves out there. <laughs> Especially <laughs> since the holidays are exactly. coming up. Exactly. This um, is a pre-holiday episode. We did it on accident. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> but the next morning, uh, Nick and Angie go to sneak out and find the front door completely barred shut with, I guess it's like a metal paneling. They never yeah. really elaborate on what it is. And they try all the windows, try all the doors, the whole house completely sealed up with this weird metal paneling that they can't break mm-hmm. or, you know, shake loose or anything like that. Cut so, with an axe. That- yeah, tries to cut it with an axe. And uh, the TV starts giving them mysterious instructions mm-hmm. that imply that maybe there was a terrorist attack. So all eyes are... Yeah. Looking at one character in particular. Yeah, and the British government has supposedly dropped big steel boxes on everybody's houses. So, is Angie a terrorist? Is <laughs> weird metal aliens 
uh, attacking the house? Is, I don't know. Does Dad have a massive panic room system built in that would have been a much more compelling way to shoot this movie? Yeah, but we'll uh, get we'll get there. <laughs> so yeah, do we do we survive the holidays locked in with our racist family? Is exactly. the real question. I mean, <laughs> again, sounds like a compelling film on the onset because it is a compelling idea. Um, the trivia that I have, and I've only got one piece, two pieces kind of, but um, the family name for the film is Milgram. And if you watch the film, you might pick up, as I did very quickly, that this is kind of an allegory for the Milgram experiment. If you want to learn more about that, go learn more about that. It's crazy interesting what people do as long as they're being talked to by a person in a lab coat. It was used to understand... Um, how people could have fallen in line to follow the Nazis' orders in Germany. How far Um, will you follow authority? Yeah, how far will you have obedience to that authority? And also, we learn in the scene where the mother is screaming at the TV for mercy, um, that they live on Stanford Street. And, of course, you have the Stanford prison experiments, which were much similar to the Milgram. We'll get we'll get into that when we get into the bads, but there are a lot of nods at a lot oh, of really. It's my first bad. More interesting so, things. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna light this movie up while we're trying to find the goods because <laughs> mistakes were made. Does not endorse just shitting all over a thing. So we try our damnedest to come up with a few goods, a few positive takeaways for every movie that we've learned something from, or you know. And this is more like is important. patting a child on the head and saying "better luck next time." Yeah, it's not your fault. You have autism. <laughs> That's a joke. Love the autistic. Rain Man's one of my favorite movies. Drinking out of a cup. Supporting the autistic, actually. There you go. I'm drinking Ban. Face (laughs) plant. Montana ale. (laughs) It is quirky, strong, unfiltered, just like me. Actually, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That is you and a beer. (laughs) Say Doppelweizen. So you going first? Am I going first? What's uh? I'm What's giving you carblanche to go first, my love. <sighs> okay, so... I love uh, you. Before we get into this, at no point am I yelling at you. <laughs> I'm just yelling to you. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel such a distance between the two of us, given how much we both hate this film. Yeah. Can I... Um, actually, I'll save it for last. I wrote down my favorite review of all the reviews I wrote. and I, Yeah, I'll, let's close I'll, on I'll that. I'll save it. Let's close on that one. Okay, so... Um, the most redeeming concept of the entire film is that it is an interesting idea. Yes. Um, there are a lot of attempts to play on various themes. Um, whenever you're isolated and afraid, um, dealing with paranoia when you're in such an extreme situation, uh, racism, obviously, yeah. loyalty to the family, and then also herd mentality, like how far... Will you follow the pack mm. before people start breaking off? So there are a lot of attempts to... Um, <laughs> you literally stole my first one. The first thing I had written down is that the premise of the film, besides the last 20 minutes, is intriguing enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's, it's not nailed by any means. Yeah. But um, it is an interesting concept, and if it had been more fleshed out, there is a lot of room for experimenting yeah. that... Angie is the only true outsider. Um, Nick has been away for a while, Mm -hmm. but Angie's the only true outsider. She's never met any of them. And she is of a different race, of a different color, um, different culture. Granddad's of a different era. Yeah, so this mentality of the family feeling like a pack that kind of has to ward off the threat and Mm -hmm. who's going to follow the pack and who's going to break away from the pack. And when you add in all these stressors, like... How does fear play into your decisions? How does paranoia play into your decisions? And when they start introducing these challenges they have to overcome, like... There's bigotry there. Like, they have to overcome, like, who they are as people to work as a unit. And then when they're presented with these unique challenges that the TV gives them, these weird instructions that they have to blindly follow, like, deciding who's the better leader and who's making the better decisions. Or to throw out all the food or... Yeah, like... There are some interesting themes to play with there. They're just never fully fleshed out. Yeah. So, 
again, kind of like patting a child on the head. Like, you, you had an all right thing. Better luck next time. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel the exact same way. Uh, there was so much room. And I was excited. Um, probably for the first 30 to 45 minutes, I was like, how the fuck did this movie wind up with a 26%? You know, like, the, the critics nailed this to the wall. How could they possibly fuck this up? And, I mean, like, we'll get into the bats. Um, the acting is definitely one of my bats. Yeah. So, like, maybe I was I was sitting there, like, maybe people just didn't, you know, follow the accents or they didn't like the actors. Um, but, no, uh, it got so much worse than that because they gave you so much to work with. I think because you jacked my first as well, I'm going to give you second. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I'll follow off of the bad acting because I think that's that's uh, in the bads. Oh, oh yeah, God, yeah, yeah that's in the yeah, bads. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to leap ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is not a film I'm going to say is a pretty film. Um, there were occasional interesting a shots. A lot of drone shots. I did like the drone mm-hmm. shots actually. I appreciated the drone shots for whatever reason. I'm just kind of a fan of drone shots because that's not a viewpoint you normally get to see of the mm-hmm. world. So anytime anyone does one and it's just clearly in focus and well done, it's kind of hard to screw that up. It looks cool because it's yeah. like, oh, that's a viewpoint of the world that I don't get to see normally. So it makes you feel almost like God for a minute, mm-hmm. like looking down on this world. Like you're so. just dropping in like a Sims game. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I actually liked the drone shots. A um, couple of cool ominous shots, like looking down like the hallway and like yeah. um, the hallway just kind of looked long and eerie. And especially when there's like a door that's got like a light on the other side mm-hmm. of the door or whatever. Like, like stuff that like bathroom that. shot where the mom's banging on mm-hmm. the glass. Yeah, yeah. And that's actually... Um, one of my goods. I, I, I have mixed feelings about her actual death, but just that shot. That's of in her. my bed, so we can go into her <laughs> death there in the beds. But the shot of her, you said. Yeah, um, I have mixed feelings about her actual death, but just like the the shot of her banging on the door, wanting out, and even I'll give them that the CGI of the gas eating at her flesh looked kind of yeah, cool. That um, was a really cool scene. So that was a neat shot. There are a couple of neat shots of. Like, whenever the dad's being a little more ominous, where they, like, play with angles, mm-hmm. where if you shoot from a lower position and look up at a character, they look more powerful or yeah. whatever. So there were a couple of shots where we were, like, from down lower looking up at dad, and the angles were slightly off, and he kind of looked a little more ominous. The way um, they did him reminded me a lot of the way they did the father in, in The Tall Grass, which was mm-hmm. our last two-star episode. Yeah. It's filmed in much the same way, like those low to high angles. Yeah. And so, the, like religious dictation. Not not a film that I per se really liked the way it was shot, but mm-hmm. there were a couple of shots like that where I was like, well, that one's pretty, or that one's pretty. So there were a couple that they nailed, and the ones that they nailed were typically kind of standard formula shots mm-hmm. that if you know how to format the shot it's gonna look good like that that standard exists for a reason so i wasn't blown away by any of them but i was like that is pretty yeah it was lit pretty you structured it the way you're supposed to structure it so the balcony fall was pretty cool yeah that yeah. was that little uh, the, tussle uh, was again, neat. homage back to hitchcock but <laughs> the balcony fall was nice. <laughs> but I'll give them that. There were a couple of kind of like busy action scenes mm. that they actually shot well. Like I, I knew she was gonna get hurt. I thought she was gonna fall down the stairs. Yeah. So that the, was kind of a neat switch up. The fights were cool. The um, this the dinner table scene while we're on shots. I, I these aren't on my list. Um, the dinner table scene where it's shot from the tail of the table looking toward the head of the table. Is it foot of table and head mm-hmm. of table or tail? I don't know. But you know what foot, I mean. I guess. But where you get that like closing V shot and then you've got the father at the end. And when everybody starts bickering at the table, he stands up and starts screaming. He's got the knife in his hand. It, there's a lot of tension in like what is a wide room, but they shoot with the... Um, the levels with the table they block it on the corners of the mm-hmm. table and again subtle playing on that theme of racism the fact that angie and nick are the two serving everyone or like mm-hmm. bringing dishes to the table or whatever they were doing 
while the actual family that lives in this house and are normally there are just all kind of sitting. Waiting. So, yeah, yeah that was a, a subtle kind of interesting nod to how they were really the outsiders. Mm-hmm. So, a, cu- a couple and of things. And the less that things. Did. Yeah. A couple of things that they did pretty <coughs> well. I'd say my second one, kind of staying in the same vein of what we're already talking about, is the claustrophobia of so many characters in such a small set. So it Mm -hmm. kind of plays off what you were just talking about, where you've got all this motion, but it's all happening in a two-bedroom English house. So there's not a lot of space. It's not an American home where like they're on opposite sides. They might as well as be opposite sides of the world. It's like an English townhouse. Um, we've got just enough people to fit just enough bedrooms and they can't go into like the upper deck for the last little bit of the film. And so they're all on the ground floor between the living room and the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, it creates these really claustrophobic scenes where you don't get like a lot of soliloquy or a lot of time with individual characters, um, which is, uh, it'll come back to bite them in the dick because it's all cardboard. Um, but you don't get a lot of like one-on-one conversation, mm-hmm. you know, between the characters. Everything that happens happens in front of like the whole. You butt heads with one, and you try to escape them, and you walk into the room and run into the next one. It's yeah. like, oh god, yeah. can't get away from you people. It's constant. There's something there, so none of the characters get a second to. Mm-hmm. There's only the mom, and that doesn't go well for her. Well, there, there's <laughs> and that Angie. I was gonna say there is that one. A shot where Nick and Angie aren't supposed to be sharing a room because mm-hmm. they're the only two not married to each other. And after, like, shit starts to get pretty rough, like, they're in bed cuddling together. Yeah. And it's a small bed. It looks like maybe it's a full-size bed at best. And uh, they're both kind of crammed in there together, like, spooning each other. And I was like, that's a, that's a cute moment. Yeah. Like, they're trying to have, like, a moment of peace for themselves in the middle of all this chaos. So kind of expanding on that and it's not on my list it might be on yours if it is slow me down um (laughs) the dichotomy between nick and angie and beth and tony Mm. and the bleach scene is that something that you have no but that was actually very well done Yeah, yeah you you really feel for the beth character because like there's this intimate young sexual moment that happens between nick and angie it doesn't exist in the Tony and Beth dynamic. Like, it scoots to granddad, sh- you know, scrubbing his ass. That was actually... I will, I will <laughs> give them that. That was, like, the one moment in the editing where I was like, nailed that. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, like, they're, they're not allowed to share a room because they're not married. And mm-hmm. uh, as he says in the film, like, a young Christian couple can't share a bed of wedlock <laughs> or whatever. And you can tell he's, like, teasing. Like, they definitely yeah. live together yeah, at home for sure. away from here. And um, he, uh, like, leaves, and later on in the film, as shit gets worse, like, they're sharing a bed together, and then there's a scene where they have to wash their skin and bleach, and they're helping each other and kind of giggling and trying to, like, mm-hmm. find some kind of peace of mind in all this chaos, and you see the mom listening outside, and for a minute, I was like, oh, she's going to be mad, she's going to barge in, whatever, because yeah. they were told, you know, they couldn't share a room together. And the mom just has, like, a private little smile to herself and goes on and thinks, like... like lays the towels at the door. Yeah, yeah. and she, she, like, goes to her husband, like, in their room to... Because they also have to bleach themselves. And she thinks, like, oh, we're going to rekindle some of our romance. And he yeah. immediately shuts her down. And it's so sad. She it's tries to get all sexy in her robe. and He's like, know. what are you doing? Yeah, now's not a time for this. And then that heavy tension immediately cutting to Grandpa scrubbing his ass. Yeah. Like, is... That was pretty solid timing on that. Uh, I fucking that. brilliant shot. So what do you got next? Um, another attempt. Um, there was a <laughs> lot of... I'm sorry. I just, they didn't get any of them, for the most part, right, in my opinion. Like, they were solid attempts, but... We've, we've nailed... Uh, I'm going to keep tally. We've got one scene where we're both pretty confident it was on fucking point. That's that <laughs> transition right there. We might come up with more as we go, and I'll tell you how many good scenes you have. I'm, I'm not trying to shit on this film, like... There were a lot of, like I said, attempts yeah. at concepts that were solid. They just were not executed yeah. to the best of their ability. 
Um, an attempt at using color theory a lot in this movie. Switch to NVGs at one point. Yeah. Um, so we start the film and it's very traditional, just like Christmas colors, like Christmas lights. There's the Christmas tree with the twinkling yeah. lights in the background, just like a very, not necessarily warm, welcoming household, just standard household. Like if I'm remembering right, the beginning of the film wasn't aggressively blue, but it was slightly more blue toned yeah. and that's typically used to kind of, um, you know, lean towards, like, isolation, mm. sadness, stuff like that. So the fact that the house itself wasn't immediately warm and welcoming um, is true to how the family treated her. It and isn't then, until night when the Christmas tree comes on, really, that we see any sort of warm color. Yeah, and the Christmas tree was kind of, like, this nice add-in because it's, like, a reminder that there's supposed to be, like, this loving family mm. get-together. It's the holidays so it, it is kind of like this ominous thing in the background almost that's like, it's supposed to be Christmas. Mm-hmm. And they they sit down to dinner because they're like, we're not going to ruin our proper English Christmas. We're still going to do it. And when we get into where the TV starts giving them instructions, yeah. um, the TV casts a very aggressive green tone throughout pretty much the entire rest of the movie and um green a lot of the time is used for you know like a sense of something being off something being sickly something something being being an homage to the matrix (laughs) (laughs) i think it can but people don't typically do it it can also indicate prosperity but green is typically a color used for something being unwell and um no TV uh, emits enough light for the no. film to have been as green as it was. Especially when it was daylight outside and they were still like all green yeah. in the living room. Yeah. I, it, it's like you might get some in your glasses, but you're not going to be drenched. No. In it. And yeah, it, it's like somebody set up a, like whenever we did the dolls and we had those three giant lights casting, <laughs> casting. Like, all this aggressive light on the door because I wanted the door to be blown out. It's like somebody did that, but then put green filters on it. Like, there's so much green in this film. And I appreciate the nod to the use of color theory because it does kind of give the sense of something's wrong. It's far too aggressive to the point that it's not believable that the TV is casting the light. And then when the message becomes a warning message and it switches to red again i appreciate way too harsh well again i appreciate like they're looking into the depths of hell (laughs) well again i appreciate that red is uh typically sinister color and uh red is usually violence anger stuff like that so yeah like i i appreciate the nod to we're gonna now cast this red color to make everybody afraid Again, just too aggressive. Like, TVs don't emit that aggressive of a tint. Well, like, you could get the same thing across, right? If you just gave the Tony character a pair of glasses and put him in front of the television and got close to his face. So you get the green in the glasses, you get the red in the glasses. It doesn't need to tint the whole room. Well, it just needs to hit those affected. Like, even, the- like, a reflection in an eyeball would be more impactful than dowsing the entire thing in green or red and then the night shots i would have been okay with like a soft subtle green around the edges Mm -hmm. of their faces like even if it had been emitting enough light to hit everyone i just whoever was in charge of the lighting should have turned the intensity of the lighting way down yeah because it's like it was the only light in the room yeah it was was blinding you and it was like their skin was green Mm. it was so aggressive like there should be like a hue of green lighting the edges of your face at most and it was just so aggressive that it was comical because they had this little box tv it wasn't even like a big flat screen tv that took up the wall i had the same toshiba in japan (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was it, like the TV literally yeah. looked like a computer. It was Sweet so up. we can't dive into the beds, uh, it, yeah. but I am going to make the same joke I made last night, which is they could have circumvented this entire situation if they would have bought Granddad a, a flat screen. <laughs> it was can't, 2018. Who the fuck still has that box? Can't fit all television. those cords inside this flat yeah, screen. Yeah, I, I blame the BBC by the way. Now that I'm thinking about it, because in England you have to have a TV license to have a TV. Yeah, socialism. Um, so 
without that, <laughs> maybe you have they have a license to have a TV. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, it, socialism. <laughs> Does your mom have a TV? Yes, and she has a license. That's weird. Not like a photo license. It's like oh, a fee that you have to pay. But yeah, that's weird to own a television set, and then like they keep track of who has TVs and they'll put up advertisements like there are three unregistered TVs in the area. That's weird. Yeah. If you're in England, please just revolt against your government. Um, (laughs) Anyway. uh, What's your next good? I did derail into bads for sure there. I was trying to say a nice attempt, but I was just upset about it. Um, I bet while we're on the topic of attempts, um, I like the attempt at a deep social commentary, uh, but <laughs> it definitely misses because of the last 20 minutes. Um, I'm, I might, no, I'll, I'll leave it as my first bad, and I'll explain what I feel like about the uh, social commentary later. I feel like they could have got the same point across with a different medium, which we talked about mm-hmm. last night. But um, I, I feel like a, a horror film should draw attention to an issue. They went for four or five issues in the film. They hit zero of the issues yeah. on the head. They were just swinging wildly at like, well, let's just, you know, make everybody happy. You know, woke as fuck horror <laughs> film. And the commentary became primary over the scare, over the story that was happening in the house, over any semblance of human emotion. Um but I can always appreciate the attempt. So that's my one. <laughs> I'm holding on to my hat, trying to get through the goods. <laughs> um, authentic accents. I always appreciate legitimate accents. It's a British um, film. Yeah, shot British film. British actors. Yeah. Shot in England. So uh, nice that it's not, we're trying to pretend. I like that one of your goods is they got English people in England to film an English horror movie in England. <laughs> To be fair, well, we watched, watched the yeah, Chernobyl films. Diaries where it's like, you're an Australian backpacking couple, and it's like, that guy's you're definitely American. from California. Yeah, <laughs> and we've watched films shot in foreign countries where they could have hired locals, yeah. and they were definitely just Americans with god-awful impersonations. So, These were authentic um, English accents. Yeah, yeah. I appreciated that they were legitimately English actors with real English, accent, English accents, <laughs> and... Uh, I didn't have to suffer through that at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two more. How many more you got? One more. Uh, then I guess I'll burn one. Um, I liked the heartbeat of the monster inside of the television. Ew, really? Yeah, that Gross. was that was the only thing. That I liked. <laughs> when when Angie pulls the back off and you get to see the creature inside it, the alien or whatever they were trying to imply that thing was. For the first time, and you get that heartbeat, like kind of coming off the side of the TV. That was intriguing. Even like the pulsing slit. No, the pulsing slit is what I call you when we're not on the air. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's vagina not joke. True. That is a very, very crude vagina joke. <laughs> that I would never yeah, I know. That's why. That's why I said it. <laughs> no, Brent does not call me that off the air. <laughs> No, you liked uh, the the vagina alien in Cloverfield Lane so much. I thought the pulsing slit would be a no, favorite of yours. No, no, the pulsing slit was a bastard because up until that point, they told us that it was steel and that you couldn't hit it with an axe. But then they revealed it to be cables, which you can definitely hit with an mm-hmm. axe. They did hit with an axe, and it was effective later in the film. There's no <laughs> need that a weapon shouldn't work in one place but can't work in the other. Follow the rules of We're your own monster. We're still in the goods. I know. Um. I guess I do. And the levels went. So I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I only have one left because I was like, I guess I do technically have two, but I talked about the shot where the mom died being neat already. Yeah. Um, interesting. It wasn't very clever, but interesting play on the dumb blonde stereotype. So yes. Kate is an unbearable cunt already, anyway. 
I'm going to get um, a refill before we go spelling into the bathroom. Okay. So. Um, but she's Kate's also... an unbearable cunt. <laughs> she's also, like, this dumb, pregnant, blonde, bimbo character. Yeah. And I like that they kind of joked about it at points. It wasn't... Like, I didn't, like, really laugh at it, but at the same time, I was kind of like, oh, ha, okay. Um, <laughs> like, they, they would have her say or do really stupid things, and everybody else in the entire house pretty much was significantly smarter than her. Yeah. And it was like she knew she was dumb, and she was kind of yeah. offended that she was dumb. She well, was you think you're smarter than me? And it's yeah. like, yeah, no, she's a doctor. Well, <laughs> like, she's much smarter than me. And then she'd, like, say something stupid and get corrected, and she'd be like, I know that. <laughs> I'm not stupid. <laughs> so I just... Kind of clever that they had a stupid character that they were also poking fun at. Like, yeah. she knew she was stupid and was a little insecure that she was stupid. She was dumber than the... Dumber. <laughs> she was dumber than the quote-unquote foreigner um, that had infiltrated the house. Like, she they kept were, trying to one-up on Angie, and Angie was like, that, that's not They true. were playing Boggle, and uh, Angie gave her a word, and she was like, Indian words don't count. She was like... <laughs> It's English. It's in the dictionary. Shall I grab it for you again? And she was like, no. <laughs> so I did kind of like that. That was kind of funny. <laughs> My one last good, and then we can rip this motherfucker a new asshole. Um, <laughs> which, just for the record, we are 40 minutes in. We haven't even dived into the bads of this movie. Try real hard so, to be positive. Yeah, try to tell us that we're negative Nancys about shit. Because... <laughs> We're holding on for dear life to give you things that you can take from this, that you can learn from, grow from, and make a really good film. Um, my last good is that it has a Twilight Zone-esque concept, mm-hmm. um, though, and this is why I've chosen it as my last good, it drags on far too long to be effective. Yes. The keys to the Twilight Zone concept are... Effective dialogue, effective scenes that convey the story, and you're in and out in 17 minutes. Arrive this, late, yeah, early. Exactly. This story could have been told in 17 minutes. So we're going to go into the bads. Unless you got something to say no. regarding the Twilight I think, Zone. I think it could have been a successful, even hour-long film if it had been... Trimmed down in a lot of areas and expanded in some of the themes. It just didn't. Didn't get there. You want me to crack you another beer? Yeah. Let's let's do this. Let's do the bads, love. What do you got? Kristen's got like 18 bads. I'll start light. I'm just going to go off. (laughs) Let's do this shit. I'll start light. Uh, Bad acting all around. Yeah, Um, fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) And um, not... (laughs) Um, not enough room for the story to breathe to make up for the bad acting like these characters didn't have chemistry with each other they didn't deliver in the moments they should have delivered in like just bad acting all around and I didn't have enough room to breathe to care about any of them because the pacing was so goddamn fast I need an axe I'm back with my axe it's like who the fuck got the flash in the house English people move so slow and around the holidays they're so drunk (laughs) yeah bad acting and bad pacing are both on my list so yeah let's just go ahead and tear through this um (laughs) <laughs> they arrive at the house we immediately get all the weird tension go to bed immediately wake up with yeah. a problem we're immediately I need not... an axe and then he runs to the next room where apparently they keep their hatchet like in yeah. the kitchen <laughs> like immediately not afraid but then also immediately following orders and like but then simultaneously an hour into the film we haven't actually established what's happened so we're yeah. blowing through the story while not developing the story, Ow. which is weird. Yeah. I don't know how you can do both at the same time. There's no like moment where like half the group thinks one thing and the other half of the group thinks the other thing. And we've had enough time inside the situation to develop to where they'd both be reasonable outcomes. You're and just kind of slammed from scene to scene to scene. And the thing that makes me mad about it is... There was a lot of room for potential there. So they're delivered these syringes into 
the Which chimney would have fallen out of the chimney as you say. (laughs) Um, Which means the chimney would have had to open, which would have recontaminated the entire house. The bag would have recontaminated them as people, or else they... Because it comes after the bleach scene. Mm -hmm. So, like, they've touched outside stuff. Now they need to, like, bleach themselves off and decontaminate. Um, But then this bag falls out of the surrounding area. The bag is going to be contaminated. They just stuck all that in their arm, and now they're all contaminated. They should have had a second bleach scene, uh, but who am I? I'm just a person who passed the, you know, chemical shit that I needed <laughs> to know for the Air Force. And there's also, um, <laughs> like, this weird, unnecessarily long scene of tension about, well, I don't want to take the medicine, but you have to take the medicine, but I don't want to take the medicine. Yeah. And then they all take the medicine anyway, and you could have for sure had... Angie and Nick pretend to take the medicine. Yeah, shoot and, it on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And then not take it. And then once the father realizes it, even more paranoia sets yeah. in. So, like, there was, like, room to kind of play with, like, we're rebelling and you're a traitor and, like, all this stuff yeah. that they could have done. Are we in agreement that that guy's a racist, sadistic, slowly losing his mind asshole? Sure. Let's go about with his plan 30 seconds later. And, like, I. Like, there's a lot of really weird tension between yeah. Nick and Scott, and they fight multiple times throughout the movie, but we never establish why there's any tension except yeah. for the dad says, I need you to be loyal. Yeah. So, like, we And don't- you look like Dane Cook plus 20 years <laughs> in a tank top, so fucking hang out over there and, you know, threaten him vaguely. So, like, I don't. I don't believe that they should be that mad with each other. I don't believe that this family is an actual unit. I don't believe that anybody's really afraid. Like, none of it was executed. She falls down the stairs. Everybody's like, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to go take a nap. But it's like, she has a compound fracture. She's delivering a baby. You have a doctor upstairs. Why are we not playing with the concept of letting uh, Angie out of quarantine to come deliver the baby? Like, what... And they they mention it Once. well after <laughs> she's been dead for a while. Yeah. Kristen and I kept going, the baby is still alive. Baby ain't dead yet. You could still get that baby out of there. <laughs> she would have, you know, immediately, spontaneously given birth during her death um, at this point because she's like a week and a half out. And uh, her body would have convulsed enough to, you know... Well, I honestly feel like the fall would have probably triggered some kind of contractions or something. Like, I I don't know if she immediately would have gone into birth, but I feel like the trauma of the impact would have... Started the process. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Bad acting, bad pacing, so much... So much room for potential. My first bad is not the one that I was going to bring up earlier. I'll bring it back. My first bad is this is an English Christmas. This is what I, I believe is Christmas Eve bleeding into Christmas because they do the big Christmas dinner. And at no point did I see party poppers. There were no party poppers. That is Bastards. an inauthentic Christmas dinner. They're supposed to sit next to the fucking fork. I've never had an. Uh, this whole thing should English have happened Christmas with them having <laughs> tiny hats, party poppers, Christmas crackers, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> You've told me about them. I've never seen one. Yeah, so. Everybody should have had a joke in a tiny hat. What's your second bet? <laughs> uh, this is a, a movie that aggressively leaned on music to compensate for. <laughs> The sorry. <laughs> I thought about it while you were saying earlier, traditional Christmas or um, traditional British people mm-hmm. um, with authentic accents. And I was like, but they are British people. And nobody thought to grab the party poppers. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, they let you down. Those bastards. Their boxing day would have been shit. Makes you feel any better. Where were the dead. presents? They show a scene of Nick um, and Angie opening presents no, at the like tree. just folding up all the presents. Like, there there could have been a cute moment where, like, he's got a wedding ring and it's, like, wrapped up in Christmas paper. Like I don't think he would have proposed at his racist family's house. He probably definitely would have done that at a happier place. God damn it. 
I can't be mad at him for not proposing. I for sure would have not been thrilled if he took me to a racist <laughs> family and then they were like, hey, let's cement this is how we got engaged. Yeah. And my mom gives you a car bomb. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you like this? There's <laughs> a bunch of nails and a jar lap. <laughs> and that, friends, is called misdirection. <laughs> um... No, yeah, blamed very heavily on the music to imply the mood because, again, the acting and the pacing were so far off that uh, they needed the music to tell you how you should feel in this moment. It needed to be louder than the audio at points. Yeah, so uh, too much leaning on music, which is a a thing we have been guilty of ourselves, to be fair, but uh, my actors didn't suck, so... (laughs) Our kids were better than your entire crew. Um, So my last good was the Twilight Zone concept, uh, which failed to be effective, which I think leads us to homage for the sake of homage without ever being effective. How many films did we watch after this one where we were like, we got the alien We've got um, Independence Day. The Shining. We've got The Shining. We've got The Matrix. <laughs> like a, a lot of, a lot of. A lot of homage. homages to much more successful films, and, and for I, no reason. And no, yeah, honestly, for no reason. And I know that that's a thing that. Um, fledgling filmmakers do they kind of nod to the greats but well, most did it. yeah no we did it <laughs> most people who have the audacity to do it change it in some way make it their own and it's a little more respectful these were clear ripoffs yeah. of just better films like for example like you get the homage to the alien movie which i called um and then you called simultaneously uh, that same scene. An aggressive yeah. nod to Independence yeah. Day. And so the the wires or whatever go through Tony's neck. They come out his mouth. They create the face hugger on his face, which is from Alien. And then he almost word for word drops the speech from Independence Day when the aliens are controlling the scientist. Yeah. He, Independence Day is more, um, there'll be no peace, you're all going to die, and this was worship me or you're all going to die. But it pays homage for next to no reason, right? Because if the cords can control people, then the cords can just pick the axe off the ground and fucking kill Nick. <laughs> they don't need to go through the whole process of rewiring a human being and, and he, controlling his wrist to hold on to the axe. They could just pick up the axe and fuck Nick's entire life and up. And he makes some implication that it can't kill him because it's a parasite and it needs them to survive. And it's like, that's the only time in the film that uh, the reanimator, that was another one you called out yeah. to. Um, it literally, that's the only time in the film it reanimates a corpse. Winston, so, we get it. You took a shit. All right, thank you. So I, that's not accurate to say that it needed them. Yeah, it had corpses upstairs. Why? Why didn't it reanimate Granddad and accomplish its goal of shit I earlier? I, I really legit for a while there thought Granddad was going to come back. His coughing up blood scene was kind of neat. We skipped that one in yeah, the goods. That was kind of. It was neat. a really cool color on the blood. <sighs> but yeah. Um, and uh, he's literally axing the door to get to them and he kind of presses up through it and that's whenever Nick is talking and it's simultaneously The Shining and Independence Day all in one. Nick is talking to the TV alien and it's it's literally just a direct ripoff that's not even well done. The cat's day to be a nuisance today. Both of our cats are trying to ruin this podcast. Uh, it's all good. Winston. Jax has been so well behaved today. To his we credit. have a scooper. We can figure it out. But <laughs> you were saying? Oh, I just know I agree. Like a lot of oh, and um, the ending for whatever reason is almost entirely in black and white, and the CGI is. 
very poorly done, so it's like a callback to old black and white Badly done. Films. One of our cleansers for last night was fucking Godzilla from like the, the very first Godzilla where he's like getting attacked by the tanks. So I like I want to see something done much more effectively than this film. Let's go almost a hundred years back to find the original Godzilla. <laughs> and honestly, that one looked a little cheesy too. But like in a it, it old film, believable that, cheesy. Yeah, it didn't look like you know like fake ass CG arms were coming outside of the television screen. Like it had been anthropomorphic or anthropomorphized or however the fuck you say that name. Like, it, it, it had hands. Why does it have hands? You're completely killing the meaning. If it is human, then it's not the technology. It's not this gross alien being. It's fucked up CGI robot TV. And while we're on that, I don't even understand what it was. Like... It was in the their TV. house. Well, in their house, it came out of the TV. But then we go to the final drone shot at the end. Their cars wrecked yeah, in the like street. The radio like, pulled its wires out. And so tried to, I'd, I'd fuck my Jeep up. I fuck my Jeep up on accident all the time, and it ain't even actively trying to kill me. So I don't know if it was like technology as a whole, because okay, they they. Trick us into thinking. I just finished the Unabomber book. If it was technology as a whole, they could have nailed it to the wall. They should have gone back. They should have read Technological Slavery. They should have revisited the script and like been like, hey, look, it's all trying to slowly kill you because you're slowly losing like your ability to be a human being. But they didn't do that. <laughs> but they trick you into thinking it's metal barring on the house yeah. the whole time, which is somehow inside the roofing. Like, it's outside the windows yeah. and outside the door, but somehow inside the roofing. It goes through the wall. It's inside the bricks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that doesn't This is make a sense. house made full of drywall. <laughs> but then Angie pries up a bit of it, and it's individual cords that all have cameras on the end of them. So, yeah. like, it's like the individual cords are all, all eyeballs. Cables. Yeah. yeah. And then we realize at the end, it's all literally just cables inside the TV. So I don't know what the fuck it was, because at the end, we do a drone shot where every house is covered in these cords, but then there are cars in the street. And the cords are sentient and can kill you. They can drill through your body. That is definitely a call to Matrix. I didn't even think of that, like plugging into people. Yeah. They come through the back of the neck yeah. just in the same way. It's a call to Big Brother, the old Orwell classic. And they leave the one single. They do actually somehow manage to dissolve mom's body without hurting the baby at all. Yeah. Um, they do they leave cannibalize the one. It. Somehow it eats flesh. <laughs> they leave the one single baby alive and leave the TV propped up so the baby yeah. can watch the TV. So it's like, why do they need the humans? I don't yeah. understand the connection. The there. baby has no milk, has no food, has nobody to change its diapers because yeah. apparently the cords burn your flesh off. Could have just kept the other people alive. You would have been able to raise the baby. Um. Which I guess kind of brings us near the ending. I've got two that are really big, but I think I'm going to go with my one that's in the ending. How many more you got? We kind of burned through all of mine. You sure? Like, sort of. Like, it's still kind of in the vein of the ending. Like, I don't understand what the point of the experiments were, why we locked everybody in. I don't get that. I don't get what the bad thing was. Like, all of that's kind of combined. If you had the gas, why not just kill everybody? Yeah, because it's poison flesh burning gas i don't like i don't understand what this movie was truly this about. movie for me as i pointed out last night um its biggest flaw as was the flaw that i pointed out with films such as cloverfield avenue or whatever the fuck the name of that thing was uh split by m night Shyamalan and one that we've done on the show before mercy black is that they've missed their opportunity for a psychosis ending, where this could have just been the father schizophrenic or is having a nervous breakdown. He's created this atmosphere of paranoia and started a panic room of some kind. Yeah, the grandfather has like clipped into the TV and is feeding them messages or. Something legitimate, like something man-made, would have been more deeply impactful because they jumped the shark with their metaphor 
fast in this goddamn thing. Um, and I, they missed it. They jumped it. They were like, no, it's cables. Cables are literally destroying all of London instead of, like, this is a deeply disturbed human being who is keeping do. everybody here at Axe Point, you know? They do have this really cool, complex relationship between the dad and the granddad where the granddad is like, yeah, you're more of a man. I slapped you around yeah, every once in a while. That doesn't cause any problems, does it? But he also keeps, I can't remember what the name is, but he keeps calling him a name too mm-hmm. because apparently he wet the bed at one point because he was afraid to get up and go to the bathroom because his dad was so abusive. Yeah. So there's that potential for this weird, complex relationship of grandfather is poisoning the mind of father by feeding him like mm-hmm. all this negative stuff and together they set up this weird experiment because he refers to Nick as being a fairy so they're like we gotta toughen this kid up and make him one of us again and get rid of this foreign girl he's yeah. dating and then when grandfather takes the vaccine and like chokes up on his blood that could have been dad revolting and being yeah. like I'm the head of the house. It could have been now. like a Saw-esque like twist. Yeah, like dad could have been like screw you on the head now. Like mm-hmm. this is my experiment. So they find his laptop in the closet and he's just been updating the TV screen the entire time. Something yeah. there. There was a lot of potential and man, like the last 20 minutes were just so absurd. You got anything less cuz mm-hmm. I'm down to one more. No, that was all. We burned through all of yours. Yeah, because they were like little subcategories. Like all of these were subcategories to the main. Like the ending for me is just hands down. What the fuck? (laughs) What happened? What was it? What was the point? What was the message? Like so scrambled in the last twenty four. My last point, which is kind of more of a, if I could make this film or could have gotten their ear between whatever draft they had and whatever draft they could have had. You should have gone with phones. In 2018, when this was made, or 2019, when this uh, podcast is being recorded, who is terrified of the television screen? Um, If it would have been the phone, it would have affected everybody. It would have related to everybody because people are addicted to their cell phones. They're addicted to their social media. You could have had an army of your small armed wire people, and you never would have had to leave the house. <laughs> but you could have, have created it. Stuck to the psychological, but yeah, if you were really going to go that route, it would have made more sense. Go with the phone. It, 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 it explains the reason why the people in the cars are the way that they are, because like the wires would have come out. There's no wires in your phone, but you know whatever. It would have taken you out. It, it would have taken out the entire world, and you would have been more on par with recent events as opposed to like if you would have made this movie in '03, um, that might have worked. '09, it might have still worked because people still had flip phones, but we're more or less locked now in 2019 in a world of smartphones and laptops and those would have been your more effective enemy like nobody's sitting around watching cable we have Netflix that's how we found this movie <laughs> like okay boomer <laughs> what's your uh, review that you liked what's a uh... Go out on a funny. Are you burning out on me? I am. This movie burned me out <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I was burned out on this movie the second it went off. I found this review on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's by Andrew Wyatt, and I'm probably going to not say one of these words correctly because I don't quite I don't know if I know this word. In its final stretch, await further instructions, reveals itself as a hollow, ham-fisted pulmic one of with one with all the profundity of a bumper sticker. <laughs> Do you like that? I don't know what polemic means or polemic or however the fuck you're supposed to say that. But in its final stretch, it reveals itself as a hollow, hand-fisted, whatever that word is. One with all the profundity of a bumper sticker. I like that. And I stand by it. And that's another one down. Beautiful effervescent Kristen Pennington. 
He's hungry feeling? for spaghetti. We're gonna make some motherfucking spaghetti. I'm excited. <sighs> Had enough of you British people. I'm on to the Italians. Yeah, if you guys want to. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> if you started dating an Italian guy, I'd kill you and him. Just to clear that up, the English have a long history with both the Irish and the Italians. It I am be all both Irish way. and Italian. Well, I'm Catholic, so. Kind of. <laughs> You're rebelling against your your roots, aren't you, by yeah. dating me? That's what I do to talk to the pulsating slit or whatever I talk to. <laughs> Um, if you guys have any opinions about this matter, you can go fuck your mother or go find our plugs on some other show. I'm done talking about this film. Do you, do you got anything else to say? No, I'm solid. Okay. <laughs> I love you. I love you, sweetheart. <laughs> I love you guys. And uh, we'll talk to you later this week. <laughs>